Previously on Funny Science Fiction. She brings out a Ziploc bag and there's a frozen... <laughs> there's a frozen lizard in the bag. No. I'm not kidding you. I'm... You can't oh, no. write this. Hi, this is Gary Jones and you're listening to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that makes Alexa and Siri wish they were smart enough to stop listening. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation and helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you will give Red Shirt Crewman number 83. He'll know that when he puts on the Red Shirt and joins SG-1 on their mission to fight the Goa'ulds, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his iris code. Our guest today is probably most known to you for his work on Stargate, various forms of Stargate, as Walter Harriman and the television shows and movies and such. But he's also been part of other uh, worlds that you might be interested in, such as Airwolf, which I thought was pretty cool. I used to watch that when I was a kid. Uh, G.I. Joe, Andromeda, Sliders, and there's, trust me, there's more. There, There's a huge IMDb list for you to paw through. Uh, so it's our pleasure to introduce to Funny Science Fiction, Gary Jones. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hey, how are you? Good, how about yourself? Good. Great. Very good, sir. Fantastic to be here. And uh, you mentioned, you were just mentioning my, I, like, was I on G.I. Joe? Was I? Uh, it said as additional voices. I didn't take the time to look and see what oh, it was. It was a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, okay. the old animated series. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be hard to like, keep track after a while. He's like, wait a minute. When did they film me for G.I. Joe? I don't remember this. <laughs> Yeah, no idea. Um, GI Joe undercover. They were just stalking you. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I tend not to look at my uh, my IMDb. And uh, I was uh, talking to somebody the other day. I forget who it was. Another writer, maybe or somebody. And they they looked me up and they said, "Oh, I know what it was. It was a person who a friend of mine who was getting into uh, film producing, and um, I've known her for many many years. But she." Uh, she doesn't know, you know, she doesn't know my list of credits or whatever. And she, so she looked me up and she said, I can't believe how many credits you have. And I said, well, how many do I have? And she said, it's something like 77 show credits or and film, show, film and show credits. And I, to be honest, I just didn't even realize that because I don't go back in and look, you know, if I get a credit, it just gets added and then I move on. I'm like, understood. Shame. I'm like Shane. I move in, shoot up a town, <laughs> get on my horse and leave. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's okay. That gives us a chance to look through your IMDb list and we get to go, ooh, he was in that. Ooh, he was in that, uh, which is pretty much what's happening to me when I was looking at some of your earlier credits uh, yeah. from the early to mid 80s. And, I, and that's where I was like, oh, he, hey, he was an airwolf. You know, I used to love that show. Oh, yeah. Airwolf was one of my first. Um, uh, that, that was that was the beginning of my of my computer you know sort of geek roles where I just got you know they put put, put me in front of a monitor and uh, and and I had to you know that was beginning of how to learn uh, uh, the computer acting right you share the screen and make it look like you're reading something and I just laughed because there's so many episodes and I've seen this with other shows and other films there's always a guy who sees a blip on the screen and his line is always this sir you might want to come and take a look at this 
and then and then and then when the boss is headed over, the blip disappears always. Oh and then when the boss gets there, he goes, "Okay, what?" Well, you know, the boss is like, "Okay, what you got?" And the guy looks at the screen. He goes, "Damn, it was here a minute ago." It's like every like so many shows have that, um, and I and I had to learn how to do that. And now when I see films where I see people you know, uh, on their computers, I, I know exactly what they're doing. They're just <laughs> there. There is nothing on the screen. Take a sip of your coffee and go, yeah, I know what line's coming next. <laughs> yeah, coming next. Except with Stargate, they, they actually had, uh, they had built, they had built a program, uh, that, uh, where, where, when the, when you saw the Stargate and the, uh, and the icons that would light up going around the gate, they built that program, but what's, it's so funny. It looks so high tech, but there was literally this guy on a stool in like a broom closet um, surrounded by monitors. And they would just say, okay, we need this on screen now. And then he would just like mess around and, and, uh, <laughs> and put it up on screen. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like there were parts of there, you know, with all the CGI on Stargate, there was parts that were like so high tech and looked like so like, wow, holy moly. And then there were other parts that were beyond low tech. And there was, uh, there was a period of time where I was just opening the gate through typing, you know, like on my keyboard, <laughs> like control, alt, delete, open. I don't know what it was, but I, you know, and so, so I, had a, I had a bit of that going on. And then they handed me one day, I came into work and there was this um, little, like, it, I mean, of course on screen, it doesn't look like this, but it's basically a wooden box with some pink plastic uh, uh, with a shape of a hand on it. And, and uh, that, was to, that was to essentially say that we've moved up now uh, to the point where you just need to put your hand on this thing and it will light up and that will open the gate, right? So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And they said it's, it's uh, in the show, it's basically touch sensitive. So as soon as you touch it, it lights up and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, it turns out that that the, for it to be lit up meant that there was a, a crew member lying on the floor by my feet under the desk and, with a toggle switch. And so, and, and then you'd have like the second AD would be like, have like eyes on, on that person and the person would have the toggle switch ready. So, that the 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 ad was watching my hand and this crew member and as soon as my hand went on that thing he just kind of pointed and the guy just hit the toggle switch and the thing lit up and i was like <laughs> oh this is so funny you know, that's awesome so hilarious it's like how can we you know we're not going to like sink uh, unnecessary money into into this like really cool hand uh, touch sensitive piece of equipment let's just like you know, literally, I mean, they MacGyvered it, right? And which is ironic considering. <laughs> right. I see yeah. what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, uh, Gary, one of the, uh, that story, awesome story aside, and I do love that. That's awesome. Uh, Cause now I'm, every time I see that, I'm going to think of the guy going and you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Toggle. Toggle. Yeah. Finger guns. Go. Anyway, uh, so one of the things I saw when I was doing research for our chat today was an interview you did back in 2005. Um, and that hurt my brain because then it made me think that that's almost been 20 years already. 
since stop that. That, that exactly no. but the interview is of course about stargate and i'm going to read you something that you said and i thought this was a really nice quote so i wanted to share it here uh you said the following you said that, that stargate has been the best gig in my life i cannot believe i've been on a show coming up on nine years it's hard to describe being on a show for that long but you get to know some excellent people i've made great friends and i've enjoyed every minute of it so I'm wondering now, 20 years later, with other yeah. versions of Stargate under your belt, yeah. how has your view in the rear view of time about Stargate, has it changed at all? And if so, how? Uh, no, it hasn't changed at all. It's probably gotten better because uh, I guess if I was saying that was nine years, then they'd had another season to go. And I during that time i was also in on um some uh, stargate uh, atlanta atlanta atlantis uh, episodes which were really fun and then uh and then i was in the first two episodes of atlantis uh oh god stargate universe so i was in all three franchises and it just means that you know i guess my character they love my character enough Maybe the fans enjoyed my character enough that I mean the, the 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 producers and the writers they respond to who they like to see, and over the years I've just gotten so much incredible feedback from um, from fans, especially being at conventions and that uh, that just they just go man you you know we loved it when you were on screen so I, I don't know how to account for that I I honestly don't I I I, I don't I don't know what what was in the water I was drinking. I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is that, that they, at some point, at some point they, I thought, well, how am I going to like, cause you can't as, as my character, you can't walk into the, the gate room every day and look at the Stargate and go, Oh my God, look at that. That you just can't do that. You have to go. Uh, okay. This is where I work. So I began to, at some point, when they were giving me more and more, my character, more and more sort of responsibility, more lines and more interaction. I, I then just decided that I would treat the, the, the Stargate like I was a mechanic changing a, like an oil filter in a, in a, you know, in a, in a car, you know, mm -hmm. in, a Ford, in a Ford Taurus. I just thought, oh, this is what I do. I can't talk about it to anybody. It's top secret, but it's like anybody going to work on a on an aircraft carrier or who's a fighter pilot, you know, the, like that are pretty cool jobs. Obviously, they could talk more about their jobs than I could about mine. But I think it's the attitude towards the the thing that actually made people then see me as more of an everyman. You know, I was like mm -hmm. a non-com commission, uh, the non-com officer, non-commissioned officer that they kept promoting and promoting and promoting. So I got to the highest rank that I could go by being a chief master sergeant. And uh, I didn't even really know what that meant. You know, every time I would come back from a season, I, they'd go, oh, you got promoted. And I was like, I was like, why? What did I do? And I said, oh, well, you just you just are. You're, you're just you got a promotion. And I thought, why was I like typing under duress or, you know, <laughs> filing under duress or typing under fire or something? No, then they're not. No, no, you just got, you just got uh, your, your promotion. So when I, when I would then, as I would go uh, to later conventions, uh, guys 
not just you know, well people who would come to me who had that rank would say hey you you're doing my job that's my rank and i was like that was, as soon as i found that out i kept those people at my table and i just grilled them i said you know what's my dental plan and how many holidays <laughs> how many weeks holiday do i get and you know what kind of like that kind of thing and uh i just wanted to know what the deal was with being going from a sergeant to a master sergeant to a chief master sergeant and uh it was just i mean it's been just so interesting talking to all the fans where they'll come on so many ex-military and uh you know they just say hey you you really represented us well and i didn't know that i was doing that i you, you can only get that feedback kind of like face to face at a sci-fi convention otherwise you know you just go on screen, it gets beamed out to however many people see it. And you just don't know uh, the kind of job you're doing. But the sci-fi fans on Stargate are very, very vocal, super supportive, and and just, uh, just great fans. So that's kind of how I uh, got to sort of know a little bit about what I was doing and, and what I kind of brought to the role, if that answers any question in there. It did. Thank you. That was a very good answer, actually. And I also, as you were saying, you're talking about that, you're talking about getting, you know, promoted and you're like, why would I do? And all of a sudden my brain goes to, you're getting promoted and you don't know why. And poor Harry Kim is still an ensign uh, from Star Trek Voyager. He doesn't know why he can't get promoted. I just, yeah. yeah. That's where my squirrel brain went. So it's just bing. And yeah. See, my anyway. squirrel brain got caught on Stargate Atlanta instead of Atlantis and started mm -hmm. combining Stargate and Walking Dead for a minute. And that got oh. really confusing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Gary, we, as, as nerds, we love a good backstory. Backstories are, are what nerds thrive in. So I'd like to get a little bit of your backstory. Okay. So what got you into acting to begin with? Uh, I had no plans to become an actor. Uh, there was nothing in my past that, that would even suggest that I would become an actor. Uh, I went to school in Ontario for uh, advertising and marketing and I graduated and I got a job and I was working in advertising as a creative director at a small agency with a buddy of mine. And one day I, I found an advertisement for improv comedy classes. Uh, and I talked a friend of mine into doing them with me. And then as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Didn't even know what it was, but I had this kind of like little inner voice telling me that I need to do this. So I just followed, I listened to that voice and, and uh, followed it. And then from there, uh, I joined um, second, I, I took Second City Toronto, uh, you know, Second City workshops, uh, improv workshops. Unbeknownst to me that Second City, what they would do was they would bring people in for their classes and then they would just keep an eye on them. And if anybody, uh, showed any kind of promise, then they would uh, use them in the company. And so at some point, uh, I got hired for the national touring company, they offered me a job. And we just went around and did, uh, did, did shows where it was like the best of Second City theater sketches um, that had all been written by like Martin Short and John Candy and Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Gilda Radner. Nice. And Catherine O'Hara, all, they all started with Second City, either in Chicago or in Toronto. And so there was a collection of scenes that, that uh, Second City could kind of put together uh, and create a 90-minute create a show. And then you would do that show and, um, and you would then uh, do a half hour of improv after. 
And I was with the touring company for about two years and really not making much money and thinking, oh, I think I might quit this. I, I don't know, like, you know, I needed to, uh, I needed to make a bit more money. So I went to the producer and I said, look, I'm thinking of leaving because just not, nothing's really happening for me. And she said, oh, actually this is good timing because we are going to be sending a troupe of actors out to, um, out to Vancouver to perform at Expo 86, the World Exposition. And we're putting a, we're putting a, setting up a show out there for six, for the duration of the fair for six months. And we want you to be part of that troupe. And one of those people uh, in the troupe was Ryan Stiles from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. Oh, nice. And I, I'd never met Ryan before. So I worked with Ryan for like six months. And uh, after the fair was over and uh, everybody kind of left, Ryan was still around in town. And he said to me, you should come to, you should come and perform at Vancouver Theater Sports. So I did that and uh, he opened the door for me. And then I, it was like on my own dime that, you know, on my own steam that I had to uh, stay there and, and get and, and be part of this uh, collective group of uh, improvisers. And I realized that the way that that company was set up was that you had to be, you had to be good and you had to kind of get along with a, 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 like a large stable of actors mm -hmm. in order to get asked to play. So it was, it was, it was mostly out of survival and a need to make money that I thought I got to get good really quickly here. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I did have Ryan's blessing, but that only got me so far. And then I had to kind of work to make sure that I was, you know, somebody that other players wanted to play with. And then somewhere in there, we did like a theater sports branched out and did its first semi scripted, semi improvised uh, play. And it was called Star Trek, the musical. And uh, oh my God, they just hit the mother load with that thing. And I played Captain Kirk in that. Um, and Dean Haglund from the X-Files uh, who played Langley on the X-Files was uh, mm -hmm. one of my best friends. He was in the troupe too. And he played Spock. Uh, and uh, it was just, and, and Ian Boothby, who is also writes for, uh, has, has written for um, uh, the Simpsons comics and Futurama and he's uh, really quite well known. He played, uh, uh, you know, Scotty. And so there were these people that were kind of like on the precipice of going on to do other things um, that we got to play with. And that was like a two year run and it sold out every night in this little 150 seat theater. And it just killed, it just killed. And we got to, we got to kind of improvise, uh, use audience members, write, uh, go down at, at intermission and write jokes that had to be used in the second half. So it was like, it was like a really amazing training ground to be part of that show. And hmm. I still, to this day, get people who went to that show, went back like numerous times, saw me in that show and then bump into me on the street and go, weren't you in Star Trek? And I go, yeah. And they go, oh my God. And they talk about what a great time they had. So, you know, fantastic to be a part of something like that. And then from there, you know, discovering that when you're improvising on your feet, you're basically writing on stage in the moment. You're right. You're becoming a writer, even though you're, you're becoming a writer who's performing his own material in the moment. Uh, but what I didn't realize what was happening was that I was forging really good uh, collaborative writing partnerships with um, 
with other uh, improvisers. And I went on to write plays with them um, and uh, do, do just do tons of things uh, with, with many of the improvisers. So I, so I work really well with people who are good improvisers because I mean, I did, I put my 10,000 hours in during the, during my time with Vancouver theater sports. And I sort of got to the point where I was like, really, really like I was good at it, you know? And, nice. uh, and I, and I played at a certain level and I played with people who were at a certain level. And there's nothing quite like doing that when you're not struggling to create a scene, you just walk in and everybody knows what they're doing and you get to know everybody's sort of timing and sense of humor. And so I, so beyond like in terms of my backstory that's how I ended up staying in Vancouver but also not just the work but forging really great relationships and friendships that have endured to this day and so um I mean it's not listed in my IMDB but but there there is a list of you know I've written plays I've co-written plays I've written scripts. I've done I've co-written scripts. I um, one of the guy, the guy who played uh, the part of Bones in the in the Star Trek uh, show, Sean McDonald, really great friend of mine. We've been friends for like thirty six years still. And uh, back in the day, we 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 just for a lark, we uh, we 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 wrote a uh, we wrote a fringe play, like a one act fringe play. And, and brought in two other members of the theater sports uh, sort of stable. And that play ended up getting, it gets, so it gets into the fringe, sells out, gets into the pick of the fringe, sells out. And then one of the director, the artistic director of a local, um, very, very successful local uh, uh, theater in a, you know, a commercial theater down here in town. Uh, came and saw it and he said well this is really really funny it's great the only problem is it's a one act and if I were to consider putting this in my theater it would have to be a two act because I need to sell liquor at the intermission so do you think you guys can turn this into a two act and we said yeah for sure <laughs> because with, with improv you say yes and that's the mm -hmm. main thing you never say no you go right. yeah and it'll be yes and it'll be even funnier. And it was, we actually took a play <laughs> like a successful one act and made it into an even funnier two act. And so it gets, so he mounts it at his, uh, at his theater, the arts club uh, theater on Granville Island here. And uh, then it gets held over. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's just killing. And, uh, and, it, and it ends up winning the Jesse award, which is like the local uh, Vancouver theater award mm -hmm. for best play of uh, 1994. That's nice. awesome. And uh, so it's things like that, you know, that I've been really, really fortunate. I mean, you don't write a play saying, Hey, let's, let's write an award-winning play as a, right. but you do it for the laughs. And all we could do was try to make each other laugh. I was like, if I'm making him laugh, chances are, the audience is going to laugh. And if he makes me laugh, uh, chances are the audience is going to laugh. So that's all we had to go by. But it was the most fantastic uh, experience. I, I've had loads of those experiences. So I know a ton of people in town now. I've worked with lots of them. And uh, so that's kind of my backstory. That's awesome. Nice. You know, Second City is a really cool credit to have too. I mean, there's a lot of people who have gone big places after being 
associated with Second City. Oh, yeah. That's that's really fun. And it's fun what improv can get you into and what it prepares you for. Well, one of the things that I that I found out years later, uh, told to me by the artistic director of theater sports at the time, he said, he said that when I showed up and I I didn't realize how sort of like over the years, I over the time I'd been with Second City that I'd been sort of indoctrinated mm-hmm. by their form of, of improv because they would always improvise with the intent of, of creating improv scenes that would become sketches, like, uh, you know, theater sketches, right? Uh, and so I just thought that way. Like, that's how my brain kind of worked. Whereas when I showed up, uh, theater sports at the time was, was more kind of game oriented. They would play like theater games and they would compete against each other. But it was very gamey. Whereas I wasn't so much, I was more like, well, let's just go in and do an open scene and see where it goes and not ha- not attach any kind of, um, uh, you know, gimmick to it, like a, like a game or a handle or kind of thing. And, and he said that they, they slowly began to go in that direction because they just found that the audience really responded to it. And from that, we did more uh, shows that were, that were uh, semi-scripted shows where you could kind of improvise within a structure. Um, so, you know, I, 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 that was pretty cool to find out that years later that, that my, my performing had had some kind of um, impact on the actual style of the, of, the, of the scenes that they did. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's it nice. is cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So as Kathleen mentioned, we love stories. And some of the stories that we don't usually get to hear a lot about is stuff behind the scenes. So what was one of your favorite behind the scene moments in any of the things you've done? Oh God, there's so many of them. Uh, uh, do you remember the seat? Do you remember the, the, the episode where I had to, like Walter had to drive an Alcash, like one of those giant uh, alien spaceships? Yeah. Right. Well, I, they put me, you know, I was in the episode and they were saying, okay, so Walter drives his Alcash. So I, when I, when I get in the seat, I turn to Andy, Andy Makita, the director, and I go, Hey, Andy, well, like, wait a minute. Like, how do I know? How do I even know how to drive this thing? How do I know how to fly this thing? Fly it. Fly it. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, you just do. You just do. And I go, oh, okay. Okay. So I, sure, just, yeah. And I had to just pretend that, you know, I kind of knew what the hell I was doing, you know, flying this, flying this alien spaceship, like things like that would kill me. There was, and there was, um, there was one where, um, um, oh, I was standing, uh, I was standing in the hallway in between takes talking to somebody and, you know, you know what the hallways look like. They're just like underground Mm -hmm. concrete and Mm -hmm. metal, you know, bunker kind of type thing. And I just reached up and I put my hand on something and I just, I just accidentally tore off like a styrofoam bolt, <laughs> like that big. It was like huge. Um, and it just came off in my hand. I was like, what? Oh, I had no idea, you know, because it looked so real and it was just styrofoam. So oh. I had to go to somebody and say, oh, sorry. I, uh, I broke the set. off the wall. Whoops. Like, Whoopsies. And they just glue gunned it back on. They just stuck it back on. Nice. Uh, another one was, uh, 
this is one of my favorites was I got to set and it was like, this was later in the, in the series, like season eight or nine, when, when uh, Richard Dean was the general and uh, working on, you know, like running the, running the place. And um, so he, uh, I, I was supposed to do a walk and talk with him, which is basically he gets off the elevator and then I meet him at the elevator and I give him the update on all the different SG teams. And, uh, you know, being fans of Stargate, you would know that the planets are like PX3, 941, and, you know, P, P37, 428, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I, it, when I looked through the script, I missed this page. I somehow missed the page where I had like this chunk of dialogue that where I would just talk and just uh, like do a walk and talk and tell him what these things were. And it was only just before uh, the scene started where I got my sides that I was like, wait a minute, what, what is this? And they said, well, that's your dialogue. I was like, oh my God. So I had to learn it, right? So then I thought, well, okay, this is just such like techno jargon. I'm not gonna learn the planets. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna fake the plant, the plan, I'm just gonna make the planets up. You know, I'll do all the rest of my dialogue, but I'll, but I'll make the rest of it up. And of course, Richard Dean's just talking to me. He's, he's not even paying attention. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, whatever, right? And we do the walk and talk to find out where we end up, where we land and see how long that takes. And we're blocking it and shooting it, blocking it and rehearsing it. And we do it a bunch of times. And each time I just come up with these planet names that, you know, don't exist. And, uh, just before we shoot, the script supervisor comes up to me and he goes, Gary, uh, are you aware that you that each time we've rehearsed, you've set a different, uh, you, you, you've put in different numbers for the, for the planets? And I go, uh, oh yeah, no, I, I know. I, I go, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, she goes, she goes, well, yeah, but you have to, you have to say that you have to say the correct names. And I, and I go, I do, why, why? And she goes, because we go there. <laughs> oh, and I said, oh, so you're actually going to these planets? Like, I thought it was just like random update. <laughs> like, guess who's, guess where SG-5 is and guess where SG-3 is. You know, they just got back from this planet. They, the other ones are going to this planet. And that there was never going to be an episode about that. So I thought, oh, who cares? You know, and she goes, no, we go there. You have to say them properly. So I was sweating bullets and I somehow managed to pull it off, but I can't even imagine what that sounded <laughs> like. It looked like Richard Dean Anderson didn't pay any attention. He was like, it made no difference to him, but I was freaking out like, at not possibly uh, getting these plans right. Nice. It was so uh, lazy of me. And another time I showed up and I read the script and a lot of times I would just read through the script quickly, see the scenes that I'm in and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Right. And I, and, uh, and I get in, uh, I get into the makeup chair and the, and the makeup uh, person says to me, so uh, how do you feel about dying in this episode? And I was like, what? They said, well, you know, you die in this episode. And I thought that Stargate had was killing me off. And that I, uh, and that I missed that, like I didn't know, and nobody had said anything to me. 
And Martin Wood was, was directing that. And as soon as I got out of my chair, I just ran to my trailer and got my script and was reading through it. And I saw where I was like killed. And I was like, what? And then, but then, and, and again, because I read it so fast, I still didn't quite, it didn't sink in. And I happened to see Martin Wood um, uh, walking by my trailer and I said, Martin, what the hell? I died today? And he goes, yeah, you're trapped in an alternate universe video game and you die in that. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And he's like, <laughs> bonehead, you know? Those are great behind the scenes stories. Thank you, Gary. All right. So uh, we are at a point in our show where we like to take our guests through a little bit of a quiz. And uh, this is a quiz about all things Gary Jones. We call it Jonesy at the Gates. It's four questions. Now, if you get three, three out of the four questions correct, we want to be able to send you this book, which is called Custodians of the Cosmos. It's written by uh, the, the founder of our Facebook group, Drayton Allen. It's all about a young man who wanted to uh, join something quite like the Starfleet Federation, but not like the Starfleet Federation for litigation purposes. Uh, and uh, he washed out and rejoined as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. <laughs> all right. If you get less than three questions correct, with three out of four gets you the book. If you get less than three questions correct, uh, we want to take a picture of you, make a meme out of you, and put you into our 200,000 member Facebook group. Okay. We call it the fun sequence. Uh, now, there's no way I'm going to get I, I don't even know what the questions are, but I, I'm going <laughs> to fail so badly. You're gonna, you're, it, you'll be at a, in a very tasteful meme. You won't have to we'll just about make that. it up like he did the planets. So. That'll be great. Uh, but all four questions are multiple choice. Okay. okay. So, so that'll help you a little bit. All right. Here we go. Go ahead, guys. You have appeared in three different series with this actor. Amanda Tapping, Dan Shea, or Garwin Sanford. What's the... Oh, oh I see. In all three... Uh... Oh, so I have to choose from one of those, right? Yes. Yes. Which one did you, is the actor that you were in three different series with? Three different series. Oh, God. I don't think it's Dan Shea. And I know I was in Stargate with Amanda and, um, and uh, also Sanctuary but I can't think of another show that I was in with her. Oh my God. I'm going to have to say Garwin. You are correct. Correct. What? Yeah. Yeah. So according to, according to the great and all knowing IMDB, which is sometimes uh, wrong, uh, it was sliders SG one and Atlantis or the newly rebooted uh, Atlanta. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number two. Along right. with this actor, you appeared in all seasons of SG-1 and Atlantis. Was that Dan Shea, Amanda Tapping, or Richard Dean Anderson? Say that again. The whole thing or just the options? Yeah, I, like, I, I, I got to get that question right. Okay, so you and this other actor yeah. appeared in all seasons of SG-1 and Atlantis. 
Was that Dan Shea, Amanda Tapping, or Richard Dean Anderson? So, so, so us, me, and this actor mm -hmm. appeared in all three franchises of. of no, in S all seasons of SG One and Atlantis. And Atlantis. Right. So not ne not necessarily every episode, but in all seasons. Uh, I think I'm going to have to say Amanda tapping. That is correct. Very good. I was about to start tapping on this. I was going to give you a hint. <laughs> All right. So that, you're two for two. Oh my God. This is where I'm going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside Amanda tapping. And uh, I'm going to hear Amanda tapping's name. <laughs> Is this the Amanda Tapping interview? What? Well, just it's, the questions. It's like Beetlejuice. If we say it enough times, she'll come to our show. <laughs> you were one of three actors to appear in the series finale of these two series. You can't even read the question. You don't even know what you're reading. <laughs> you don't even understand the question. Tim wrote these. Tell Tim. I wrote them. Just so you know, Tim, only two of those are a series. One of them this was is, a movie. I know. This is what we call a softball. Oh, okay. <laughs> Atlantis, SG-1, or Continuum? We're looking for two answers here. Two answers? Yeah, where you appeared. So, so you, Amanda Tapping, and Martin Christopher were one of were the only actors to appear in the series finale of what two series was it atlantis sg1 or continuum and you pick two of them and considering that nick's already told us that one of them was a movie well, and we well, all knew well, that wasn't continuum a film yes that's not like well i guess it would have to be the other two then the sg1 and atlantis very good correct. <laughs> Three for three. My softball works. You get the book. See? Oh, my go. God. I got a book coming. All right. Question number four, which is just for funsies and has apparently made my camera no longer want to focus on me. That's fun. Here we go. There it's back. According to IMDb, you appeared in how many episodes of Stargate 1, of SG-1? 57, 187, or 111? Uh, I'm gonna fifty-seven, one hundred and eighty-seven, or one hundred and eleven. Correct. Of of um of start with SG one. Yes, just SG one. Okay, I'm gonna say uh, um, I'm gonna say uh, one hundred and eleven. That is correct, and you have destroyed Tim's quiz. Woohoo! <laughs> four for four. Well done, sir. Wow. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're working on? Oh, hey, here's something that I'm doing that they might that they might enjoy. Um, myself and uh, three other guys, uh, Ken Lawson, who is a an incredible improviser and a um, and a guitar player, uh, we do a mock interview show that's uh, that you can see on youtube it's called forgotten masters and um and it's a guitar uh interview show where ken plays all the guitarists and plays their different styles 
we've just gotten going. We've, we, we have three up on YouTube. Uh, and we're, and at the end of May, we're about to shoot another three, but those are pretty funny that you can go to. And I play this, uh, British, uh, musicologist interviewer and, uh, I'm almost unrecognizable from my Stargate days. I've got a beard and I've got a really ratty bad wig. And, nice. uh, and the, the interviews are about 15 or so minutes long and Ken plays guitar and they're funny. They're, they're very, you know, in the spirit of Spinal Tap, they're sort of serious, but like you, you watch nice. them, and you go, oh, what? like, you know, it's all rooted in reality, but it's what we're improvising. Uh-huh. So I would say go to Forgotten Masters, like, get fans to like us, uh, like as many as you, as you can of it, uh, because that help puts eyes on us, you know, Absolutely. Uh, and then watch for them in the future, because we'll be doing more at the end of, uh, we, we've got a, we've got a place book to, 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 to record, uh, three more on uh, May 29th. So I'm doing that. And the rest of the time I'm just writing, um, uh, writing shows and, uh, I work on a I work on a show up in Canada, a radio show called The Debaters. Uh, I write for that show. It's a very very funny show. And if you wanted to, just go to this, go to cbc.ca, uh, go online, and then uh, find the Debaters, the live streaming, and they've got them all listed there. And essentially, it's a it's a half an hour show that is uh, with featuring two debates, each one 15 minutes long. And all the debates are debated by comedians, stand-up. Oh, comedians. nice. <laughs> it's very, very funny. And uh, it was created by my, uh, my current writing partner, Richard Side. And he and I are, uh, are already, we, we're at work on a, on a sitcom and a, and a Christmas movie. We write all the time. So we've done many shows together, he and I. He's another guy who came out of theater sports that, uh, that I've done, just work, done so many shows with. Um, and yeah, yeah. So those are the kinds of things that, uh, that I, I haven't been doing much acting lately. I've been doing a lot more, um, a lot more writing and, but, uh, since the, since, uh, you know, COVID sort of like lifting a little bit, uh, things are coming back on, you know, like Mm -hmm. with people being in large gatherings and I'm going to be hosting the um, the next creation uh, Chicago uh, Stargate uh, convention in June on June the tenth to the eleventh uh, this year. So awesome. Amanda is going to be at that, and so will Michael Shanks and a bunch of other people. But I'm I'm the weekend host of that. I can't wait to be back in Chicago. So if people are thinking of going to that, it's happening. I'll be there. Come to my table. Come and chat. That would be great to to start reconnecting with fans because this would be the first convention back since COVID. So I'm oh awesome. To it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for a, a lovely you. interview, and that was really fun and, and nice to get to know you. Thank yeah, you thank so you for much. your time. Thank you very much. Really great to meet uh, meet all of you and uh, you. and uh, in, enjoy the rest of your day. And if have a great weekend, people. Thank all right, you. take care. All right, Gary. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we just want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to help us and and ensure that we get more amazing guests like Gary Jones here today and funny moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps more than really we can describe. And be sure to check out Gary's work here on YouTube as well with the Forgotten Masters and the other things that he's doing. Uh, So check out Gary, everything he's doing. 
But if for some reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Chief Master Sergeant Norman Walter Davis Harriman, the trusted and loyal officer of the SGC. Without him, the SGC just wouldn't run as smoothly. So please submit two copies of your complaint, one to be kept on file at the SGC and the other to be sent through the wormhole to alert SG1 of our offense. They will be sure to turn us over to the Jaffa to be fitted for our very own Goa'uld. All right, guys, that's our show. Thanks for watching Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Bye. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSFPopcast. Or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.